Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. at Discovery Church in Boise, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption Hill. Well, welcome (laughs) to church. My name is Jesse Horney, and I'm one of the pastors here. And the boys get up here and preach in t-shirts, but I would like you to know that I respect you enough to wear blazers. So you're welcome. Yeah, I take this seriously. Unlike the beanie crowd that's normally up here. Uh, We're on the third week of Advent. If you didn't grow up celebrating Advent, like I did, then maybe some of this has all been brand new to you. Robert and his family lit the shepherd's candle this week. We've talked about the prophets, the angels, and now we're talking about the shepherds. And we revisit the story of Jesus's birth every year to consider what it means now and what it meant then and what it means for the future. Shepherds are a bit obtuse to us. Have any of you ever been a shepherd? (laughs) Do any of you know a shepherd? (laughs) Do you? Oh my gosh. Old Montana over here (laughs) coming in hot for us. Was he really? (laughs) How do you know? How do you know he wasn't good at it? Oh, sure. That normally means you're bad at something. If you're new to Idaho, maybe you don't know that we also have a, a pretty long sheep herding history, like the Basque people. Do you know anything about that? Or if you've lived here long enough, did you ever used to listen to, this is so dorky, but the, um, Robert would know. Remember when Diane Josephi PV would do those essays on NPR about sheep herding? Two nods, great. Just. <laughs> My family. Okay, well, this lady used to write and read these essays on NPR, and they were all about her life up in Bass County, up in Haley, and she and her husband ran the Sheep Herding Festival, and that is the extent of my knowledge about shepherding came from her. I was really obsessed with her for a while, and then in one of my writing classes at Boise State, the kid that I was sitting next to was her grandson, and I really freaked out and was trying to tell everyone, like, this is Diane Joseph Peavy's grandson. And all the other 19-year-olds were like, we don't care. <laughs> but I did. I was like, your parents are royalty. We don't know a lot about shepherds. And so this part of the story comes to us, not even just like secondhand or thirdhand. It's coming to us through so so much context that we don't understand that these angels came to the shepherds. But the question that I started my week with was, why did God send angels to the shepherds in Bethlehem? And I've always been taught that the role of the shepherds in the birth story of Jesus is to remind us that everyone gets to be a part of the story. 
like I think that our kids, uh, that's really their rote answer about it is like, shepherds were stinky, shepherds worked out in the fields, shepherds weren't an important part of society, and if God can even send angels to the shepherds, think about what that means for you. And it did mean a lot to me as a kid to feel like everyone's invited into this story. And it's all true. Shepherds work out in the wilderness. They're away from everyone. They're not usually rich and influential. And so it matters because God did send angels to a rather insignificant strata of the economic ladder of the ancient Near East. These were not important people. And that is important to consider. But the more I thought about it, the more I felt like that cannot be the whole story here because Jesus is called a shepherd. And God calls himself a shepherd a lot of times. And there's a lot of shepherds in the Bible, and they were all very influential people. And it felt really confusing, like, shepherds are stinky and not important. Jesus is the good shepherd. I didn't really know how to hold those two things in my hands for this story. And so that's what I've been trying to work through um, all week. So I was wondering if you guys could maybe think through who else is a shepherd in the Bible. You can shout it out. This Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. <laughs> Joseph, Abraham, actually, uh-huh. Jacob, Abel, Rachel, yes, yep, Rachel's whole family. The story of Jesus is like shadowed with shepherds, and it's all through the Bible. Um, I have a slide here about Moses, if you want to put that up, Joel. This is Moses speaking to the people. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Moses not only was a shepherd to sheep, but he was also a shepherd to Israel. I mean, literally guiding these people through the wilderness for 40 years. Tell me that's not shepherding. And having to feed them even with manna from the Lord. This is a verse in Psalms about David. God chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. David was an actual shepherd. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. Real shepherd, metaphorical shepherd. They're everywhere. And then we get to Jesus. I love this verse about Jesus. It's in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The shepherds in the book of Luke are not the first in the Bible. They're another thread in this constant metaphorical arc in the entire narrative history of God and man. And that seems important, too. Not just that these shepherds in Bethlehem were outcasts, important, but also that shepherds are meant to tell us something about God, very important. 
Um, do you guys want to talk about metaphors for a minute? Sure. <laughs> Great, because we're going to. Because <laughs> I love them. Uh, here we go. Metaphor comes from two Greek words. Bet you didn't know that, Dad. Uh, I have this on a post-it note in my office, and I have for a long time because when I found out the meaning to metaphor, it felt like it explained my whole life. Meta, beyond, and pharaoh, to carry. So metaphor means to carry across or beyond. Metaphors carry meaning between words, and they're absolutely crucial to us as people. You use metaphors all day, every day. Some simple ones might be, you broke my heart. Nobody broke your heart. But I can connect a broken thing, a broken vase, a broken toy. I know what that is. And I know what you mean by your heart. I know that you mean the center of you. And so that metaphor helps me carry the meaning to how your heart feels right now. You might say about a job, oh, it was a stepping stone in my career. What do we mean by that? Well, I understand what a stepping stone is because I've been on one before. It's a place that leads me to another thing, but it's a small part of the path. I understand what your career is. I know what you do. And so the metaphor carries those two things for me. I now can see that that job was a step that you were taking towards something else. Metaphors help us carry meaning between words because otherwise we would not be able to understand each other. And God knows that, and God uses metaphors to explain everything to us about himself. The only way that we can think about God is through metaphors because we can't see God, we cannot taste God, we cannot touch God. But we do have all of this human experience, the tangible that we're going through. And so in his kindness, he uses these metaphors to help us carry the experience of being human into the experience of the divine. And then we get to build up what it means to experience God. If metaphors carry meaning across <clears throat> and shepherd is this arcing metaphor through the Bible for who God is, then we have to ask ourselves why. So Luke, in his gospel, has this really incredible scene where angels come to shepherds. And I uh, asked my husband, Sam, this week, why do you think shepherds, why do you think God sent angels to shepherds? And he was like, no call someone from your family. <laughs> I'm absolutely not getting into this with you. So I did. <laughs> Each of the gospel writers really has a particular bend towards how they describe Jesus to us. If you read the four gospels in a row, which you could do, you could just clock through them in a day, you're going to see a lot of the same stories lining up, but you're going to notice that each of the writers has something about Jesus that they're passionate about and that they want to get across to you. It'd be like if we all explained today to someone, even if you all went home and explained this sermon to someone, whatever came across to you is going to be different than what came across to the person sitting next to you, but you were having the same experience. That's how the Gospels are. And so it's 
fun if you're some of us and interesting if if you're paying attention to see what do these gospel writers love about Jesus and what do they want us to know and Luke has this really clear bend towards Jesus as the savior of all Jesus came to seek and save the lost that's the back of the book on Luke you pick it up in a bookstore that's what he's gonna say Jesus came to seek and save the lost um, I read this book this week, The Davidic Shepherd King, by this girl who maybe would like to sit down and talk to me about this, Sam, but I had to read her book instead. And she says, Luke has crafted the narrative of Jesus so that the reader learns not only about his salvific mission to the poor and the lost, but also how he carries out his mission. That is, he does so as God's faithful shepherd constantly reaching out to the margins of society for the lost sheep whom he saves and restores to the community. His ministry is characterized by dining and journeying with toll collectors and sinners from whom the Pharisees and scribes distance themselves. And as he does so, he enacts a radical inclusiveness, a gospel for all people. This is how Luke is telling the story of Jesus. So when we see and read Luke describing angels on the hillside coming to these shepherds who are sleeping on the hills outside of the town of Bethlehem, there's so many layers of importance to why Luke is telling us this. He kind of gives a lot of airtime to this. Do you know how many verses he talks about Jesus being born? Two. Two verses describe the birth of Jesus, but he gives this whole paragraph to these shepherds. That's why we're thinking so much about it. We put up the um, space picture. <laughs> Did you think I'd get through a sermon without making you look at the James Webb telescope? I never have and I never will. I was just flipping through these again last night crying. Do you guys not just look at these all the time? It's so crazy. I'm not even a scientist. Gacy, I know, you thought I was a scientist because of this blazer, but I'm not. <laughs> these pictures I wanted to show you because I want you to reimagine the shepherds on the hillside. And I want you to imagine that this is what it looked like. This is a picture of stars being formed. It's called um, the, oh shoot, something of creation, the columns of creation. And obviously it's mind blowing. This is happening right now. Worlds are still being created. But when I look at this, I feel like this is the first time in my whole life that I have maybe a tiny bit understood what those shepherds were experiencing on the hillside. They're laying there with sheep, and this is what blows up above them. And then not only are they seeing something like this, but then something like this also speaks to them and sweeps them away with this good news about a Savior who's been born. Can you imagine, even now, you're not a shepherd, but let's just say you're in your backyard 
or you accidentally like got to Melba for some reason. You're like, oh no, what am I doing in Melba? But then this fills up the night sky and then this speaks to you. There would be some importance behind it, right? And this shepherd narrative has normally been taught to me as this being important because it came to the outcast. And it's an invitation for everyone to join the feast at the table. If God would send this to the shepherds, imagine what he'll send for you. But I would argue that there's a value proposition suggested here by sending angels to the shepherds. And it's another example of God's way being the complete opposite of our way. Because it's not just that everyone's invited. It's not just that these stinky shift workers got to experience this. This is revolutionary. It's also that we assume who the lucky everyone else is. As in, lucky for those shepherds, God invites everyone. Lucky for the tax collectors, God's gracious. Lucky for the Republicans, lucky for the Democrats, God forgives. But maybe it's more like, lucky for us, God lets everyone in, even the educated, even the wealthy, even those who are respected by society, the hard workers, the polite, the obsessed with themselves, the obsessed with their money, the obsessed with their status. God lets all of us in. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus tells us. And then for some reason, we still feel sorry for the poor man, the sick man, the addict, and the outcast because we don't believe Jesus we still imagine that some are more worthy than others. And that's how we've presented this story. Isn't it great that God sent this to the unworthy shepherds? And where are we in that story? We're in Bethlehem. We're not out in the fields. We say there's a reasonable person to expect in the kingdom of God. And they look a lot like me. So why did God send angels to the shepherds? Well, here's a different question that might be a little more important. What part of God as a shepherd and us as a sheep do we not understand or want to believe? Do we believe in our intense vulnerability as the little sheep that Jesus talks about? Do we believe in our utter lack of resources outside of God? Do we believe that we are the ones who need a shepherd, not a Caesar? Because when we're still expecting God to come as a warrior king, sword brandished, bridges burned, our cause, my cause, as his mission, we are forever disappointed by what we get instead. 
we have to celebrate Advent every year because the story of a Savior God born as a baby in Bethlehem for some reason can get monotonous and wrote because we forget how astonishing the story truly is for all of mankind. Because if you're honest with yourself, you didn't want a Savior to come from an unwed pregnant teenage girl. That's messy. And you wouldn't follow a prophet around who's shouting about sin and the kingdom of God and repentance. That's uncomfortable. And you wouldn't send angels to a pack of Bedouin shepherds to give them the most amazing news in the world with this cosmic pageant across the sky because you would save that show for someone important. If only one group of people got to see this, it wouldn't be the shepherds. You wouldn't want the story told this way by minor characters with no real power. None of us would. Because that means if we want to be a part of God's story, we have to be minor characters. <laughs> and we have to see ourselves in the shepherds on the hillside. Not like lucky for the shepherds, it's thank God that he came for me too. And that's a different part of the story. And that's exactly why God had to tell it that way. This isn't our story about God. It's God's story about us. And when we find ourselves disappointed in God, we have to ask ourselves, what were we expecting? What do we think God owes us? And what is he dying to give us instead? Where am I missing out on the shepherd, God, because I absolutely refuse to be a sheep? It's pretty revolutionary reimagining what a shepherd is and what it means to be a sheep because we actually use the word sheep as an insult, especially the last few years. Anything you're doing that I disagree with, ah, just a sheep. Just a stupid sheep. But God isn't trying to insult us when he calls us his flock. And I think our instinct to imagine that we're better than a group of sheep is arrogant. But also it just keeps us so far away from the shepherd. Admitting that I need a shepherd, that I'm desperate for the loving care of a good father, that I couldn't find the right path <laughs> if you lit it up in front of me with torches, that's humbling. That's the slow, meandering life of a sometimes stupid sheep. <laughs> but we only think it's stupid because we were expecting something different. Like, do you think it's your job to protect yourself? How's that going for you? How tired are you of protecting yourself from other people? Of you being the shepherd, batting away at the other sheep? How tired are you of protecting yourself from failure? From feeling anything at all? 
do you think it's your responsibility to provide for yourself somehow? How's that going for you? <laughs> to fill your own needs, chasing grass on the wind, and never, ever, ever having enough to feel like you can stop the chase. Do you feel like you're just sighing your way through life, waiting for the next break, hoping you'll be strong enough to make it? Does it feel like it's you against everyone else and all of what they need? And how is that going for you? Maybe the most well-known metaphor that we have for God as a shepherd is Psalm 23. Have you guys heard it before? Yeah, probably any funeral you've been to or wedding. Sort of an all-around, just you don't have to believe in the Bible. This one sounds nice, so you can kind of read it anywhere. We're going to read through it a couple times today. I'm going to read it to you first and just let it settle for you. And then I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to ask you some questions that I'd like you to answer in your own heart. Maybe write it down if it's something that you feel like you need to think about later. And then the last time we'll all read it together. And we're reading this because... God showed up to shepherds on a hillside. And he didn't just do that because he cared about the shepherd and the outcast. He did it because he wanted to point to the fact that he is the good shepherd. In those shepherds' lives, in Mary and Joseph's life, and in your life. And the fight that we feel against that is because that we think we can do it instead. And the exhaustion that we feel in us is because we can't. So let's listen to this, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I want you to pause because that might not feel true today, and I want you to tell the Lord what you need.
He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Tell the Lord where you need rest. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Ask the Lord to guide you along the right path, whatever that might be right now. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Tell God about your valley and tell him about being afraid. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. You guys, hold your empty cup up to the Lord and ask for blessing. And let him be your shepherd.
Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace on those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, these shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, those shepherds spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned back to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God went to the shepherds because the shepherds were faithfully tending their flock. He knew exactly where to find them, and he knew what their response was going to be. They weren't just faithful to the thing that God had put in front of them. Then they were faithful to go and tell the good news that God had given them. This is a picture of our shepherd. He is faithfully tending to your needs. And he is giving you good news. Always. The thing that God has for you is good news. And part of that good news is, yes, that even the shepherds, got to be a part of the birth story. Even I get invited to the table, despite everything, and because of who God called me to be. We miss out on the shepherd when we absolutely refuse to let him tend to us as his little flock. It is humbling work to let the Lord care for you. It is humbling work to let the Lord provide for you. And it is humbling work to remember that God has more than you have for you because it means that you don't have enough. But if we're honest, we already know. We already know. We're going to read Psalm 23 together now. We're going to stand as we read it. And I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And after we're done reading, 
you're invited to come up to the table. Yet another layered metaphor and analogy and I've been using this word invite and feast and table a lot today. This is that table. This is the table. Because when we receive community, we are saying, blood of the lamb was shed for me. And God has shepherded me through my unrighteousness and into his own. And everyone's invited. You are worthy because God says that you are worthy of his kingdom. Not because I said it, not because you said it, but because he said it. Jesus came to care for his sheep. None of you are not allowed to come and partake in this. If you've been following Jesus your whole life, if you're not even sure if you have decided to follow Jesus yet, come and take part in the feast that he has laid for you in the presence of your enemies and see what he does with the blessing of this communion. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.